0: Again, I welcome you to Faith Christian. Glad you're here with us this morning. want to be sure that you know you're invited to join us tonight at 6 o'clock for our party where we will eat soup in bowls. let what I did there. You can figure it out. We will eat some soup in bowls tonight, beginning at 6. Bring a crock pot of soup to share. Uh, we've got some bread and desserts and drinks and things like that, and we'll have the game on the big screen. We'll bring the ping pong tables some cornhole in here, board games and things like that, places for the kids to run around and be crazy. Uh, but uh, we hope that you'll join us tonight for just a wonderful time. Uh <clears throat> Watching, pardon me. <coughs> watching the game together and uh, and eating soup together, which is of course my favorite part. So, hope you'll be here tonight for that. Beginning at six. Also, real quick, need you to if you'll just take out your phones real quick and open up your calendar app on your phone. I got a little save the date for you. Once you to go ahead, so go right, really go ahead and get your phone out, open up your calendar. Uh, I want you to mark down uh, an important important day. That's April the 24th of this year. That is the Sunday after Easter. Easter's on the 17th this year. So the Sunday after Easter, we want to be sure you have kind of reserved that day. Cancel your cruise. You don't need to go on a cruise that day. You need to be here on that particular Sunday. Um, that is going to be kind of the highlight, beginning highlight celebration for us as a church as we celebrate the silver anniversary, 25th anniversary of Faith Christian Church. And that day is going to kind of be a, a, just a, a, a penultimate moment in that celebration. We'll build up to that a little bit in the weeks to come. Uh, we're going to do some more things as the year progresses, as 2022 goes on, to celebrate our 25 years as uh, of ministry of helping people find and follow Jesus here in Tuscarawas County. And we want you to be sure that you're a part of that special day. We'll give you the details as we get those ironed out in the next next couple of weeks. But want you to go ahead and get that date on your calendar and plan to be here on Sunday, April 24th. Uh, we'll have our service together we'll have a meal after the service with some special presentations and uh, you don't want to miss that so go ahead and get that marked on your calendar for April 24th I don't know what's happening at your house over the last couple of weeks but at my house we are watching a lot of Olympics and I, I love watching the Olympics both summer and winter I love I kind of maybe I like the winter Olympics more because there are there's stuff in the winter Olympics that I've never tried like in the summer I played baseball I played basketball I have run before, um, not like in a race, but I've run, you know, to, to the buffet. I've run before, but in this Winter Olympics, I've done some of these things. I've skied, um, I've broken my finger sledding before. Some of these things I've done before. And every time I watch the Olympics, I always think to myself, this would be more entertaining if, now you've got all these world-class athletes doing all these amazing things. This would be more entertaining if they had a regular guy participating alongside these world-class athletes so we could see what it really looks like. You know, for if, if this guy's skiing down the hill at 90 miles an hour, what's it look like when I go down the hill at 90 miles an hour? It looks like a trip to the emergency room is what it looks like. That, and so I, I just love these events. And I, of course, I, this, this past couple of days, uh, Chloe Kim and Sean White with the snowboarding and the halfpipe, just amazing things that they can do. You know, we like to tell our kids things like, if you, if you believe it, you can achieve it, right? If, if you believe it, You can achieve it You can do anything you set your mind to and I know what we tell our kids this but here's the truth No matter how much I believe it I am never going to go down a half pipe on a snowboard and do all the flippity flip things in the air that sean white and chloe kim Can do it will never happen no matter how much I believe it. It will never ever happen I am never going to be able to do that you know in one sense acceptance of impossibility is just a a healthy acknowledgement of reality it's just an understanding of limitations and the reality we live in but there's also a sense in which refusing to acknowledge that something just might be possible refusing to acknowledge possibility is a bit of it's kind of a, a of a captivity we're in this series together uh, right now that we're calling questioning jesus And what we're doing is we are acknowledging that almost all of us believe that God is real. Where we get hung up and we struggle is wondering, is God always right? And that's kind of the questions we have. So what we're doing in this series is we're walking through the gospel of Mark, and we're looking at these moments from the life of Jesus where people questioned Jesus. Now, a lot of these people question Jesus because they they had wrong motives. They were trying to trick jesus or trap jesus or discredit jesus But a lot of the people who questioned jesus and mark they questioned jesus just because Just because they thought he was wrong Because so often jesus said things and expected things that just weren't logical now they were theological In, in other words, jesus always brought god into the equation But they weren't logical in especially in our human understanding. You see, Jesus viewed reality through a lens of a greater reality, which is why Jesus would often question our understandings of what might be possible. So today in Mark 6, I want to show you one of the best examples of this. If you've got your Bible, go ahead and flip over to Mark 6. That'll be on the screen behind me. I'm going to read it out loud. And now to set the context and let you kind of know where we're picking this story up in Mark 6... What has happened here recently is Jesus has sent all of his disciples out on their very first mission trip or ministry trip. So for the first time, they have gone off without Jesus. And they've gone out and they've taught, um, they have have healed people, they've cast out demons, they've had this pretty remarkable mission trip for their first ever trip, and as they are coming back together, after being separated for, we're not sure how long, but as they come back together, that's right where we pick up the story in Mark 6, verse 30. Let me read it. The apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry tour and told him all they had done and taught. Then Jesus said, Let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest. He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. So they left by boat for a quiet place where they could be alone. But many people recognized them and saw them leaving and people from many towns ran ahead of them along the shore and got there ahead of them jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd so he began teaching them many things i could probably do a whole sermon just on this paragraph but let me just unpack a couple of the nuggets before we move on to the rest of the text one thing is, this, this paragraph kind of gives us a glimpse into the daily life of Jesus. And it may not be what you kind of, how you kind of picture a, a day in the life of Jesus. Most of the films that have been made trying to, to depict Jesus and give us a picture of what Jesus' life was like, most of those films, they like to picture Jesus kind of sitting out in the pasture, and there's like seven people sitting around him, and he's teaching, and they're all just listening so intently. That, that's a nice picture. It looks good on the, on, on the movie but that's not what it was like, that wasn't his life. There have been very few people in history that were such a big deal that anywhere they showed up it was a scene and there was a mob of people, that was Jesus's life and that's what we're seeing here in Mark six. There were so many people around, that Mark tells us that they didn't even have time to eat. Now listen to me, this is important. I do not want to ever be so popular that I don't have time to eat. I like pie way too much for that i'm a big fan of taco tuesday this is not this will not work for me but this was jesus's life for a long long time anytime he showed up in public it was crazy it was a mob scene and it was exhausting do you know why it was exhausting because people are exhausting i don't mean that as an insult that's just a reality i'm just telling the truth the meeting the needs of people the needs of people can be exhausting and if you don't believe me go ask your mom because she'll tell you the needs of people can be exhausting go ask somebody who over the last two plus years of this pandemic world we live in works in the healthcare field or in education or a service industry or law enforcement or the military people are exhausting and because jesus was fully human he got exhausted so he says to the disciples here in mark six let's just we, we got to get away we got to get somewhere quiet we got we got to recharge let's get into this boat let's go to the other side let's rest for a little bit but when they got there the mobs and the crowds had got there before them they were waiting on them i would have been like can you people just give me a break for a minute but not jesus Even though Jesus was out of energy, he was never out of compassion. Did you notice what it said next? I I never realized this until this week, studying this text. That it says, filled with compassion, Jesus began teaching them. We don't normally associate teaching and compassion, do we? But do you understand, according to Jesus, one of the most compassionate things we can do for anybody is to tell them truths about God in a loving way. Let's go on in the text, verse 35. Late in the afternoon, his disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the nearby farms and villages and buy something to eat. But Jesus said, You feed them. With what, they asked? We'd have to work for months to earn enough money to buy food for all these people. Now, this doesn't show up real well in our English Bibles, um, but in the Greek, the original language of the New Testament, uh, the, this word you here, it's in the emphatic tense, which means Jesus is saying, be, being very specific, saying, don't go hire a caterer. You do this. You feed these people. you I want you to give them something to eat. When John tells us the story in his biography of Jesus in the gospel of John John tells the same story It says that Jesus John lets us know that Jesus was testing his disciples because he'd already decided what he was going to do Jesus knew how the story was going to end. So he's saying this to test the disciples. It's one of the many times one of the many times where Jesus Intentionally put his followers his disciples in a situation that was beyond their ability A situation that was beyond their human capacity. And that is the tension that I want us to wrestle with for a couple of minutes today. That Jesus often puts us in places that are beyond what logic says we can handle. I I know we're supposed to be like Jesus, right? Uh, If you've been to church before, you've heard us say that. And we would we all, all agree with that. I'm supposed to be like Jesus. You're supposed to be like Jesus. We're supposed to live like Jesus. We're supposed to love like Jesus. We're supposed to act like Jesus. We're supposed to talk like Jesus. But here's the truth. I ain't Jesus. And neither are you. I can't be like Jesus. Jesus walked on water. I slipped and fell on the ice this week. I got the bruise on my hiney to show you, to prove it. Jesus curses fig trees. I kill houseplants. Jesus cast out demons. I take out the trash. Jesus cleansed lepers. I used to change dirty diapers. Jesus changes water into wine. Best I can do is turn water into coffee. That's it. That's, That's all I can do. And nobody, nobody wants to take a test that they've got no chance, if they know they have no chance to pass it. So there's the tension. Do you ever wonder if Jesus just expects too much? Does he just want too much from us? That he just puts us in places where logically we can't pass the test. Think about it on a a personal level for a minute. Does Jesus really expect me to love my enemy? That's what he said. But does he really expect that? Because there's a lot of hateful people in the world. Have you noticed? Does Jesus really expect me to forgive that person who hurt me so badly? I will never forget it. Does Jesus really expect me not to worry about tomorrow? Have you read the headlines? And that part about if you're a Christian and someone mocks you or persecutes you, you're supposed to, you're supposed to be glad about that? He wasn't serious, was he? How about corporately? How about as a church? Does Jesus really expect his church to advance against hell? Does Jesus really think that his church can overcome centuries of bias and hate between people groups? Does Jesus really expect us to pray for healing and miracles like the first Christians did? And that part where Jesus said we're supposed to go to all the world to preach? Well, Jesus, there are parts of the world that don't want us to come. What do we do with that? you see that's the problem with you jesus you just expect too much you're a good guy you just expect too much that's why the disciples questioned jesus his ask was just too big so the disciples give jesus an answer that any atheist any non-believer could have given him jesus that's a great idea to feed all these people great idea but yeah it's not in the budget we don't have enough money. We couldn't do that. Can't make it happen. Their answer was not illogical. But it was also not theological. So once again, Jesus is going to give his disciples a tangible evidence that when you live in, live inside the kingdom of God, you better learn to expect the unexpected. Verse 38. How much bread do you have, he asked. I can just imagine them going... Go and find out They came back and reported we found five loaves of bread and two fish Then jesus told the disciples to have the people sit down in groups on the green grass So they sat down in groups of 50 or 100 Jesus took the five loaves and two fish looked up toward heaven and blessed them Then breaking the loaves into pieces. He kept giving the bread to the disciples So they could distribute it to the people He also divided the fish for everyone to share They all ate as much as they wanted. And afterward, the disciples picked up 12 baskets. There's some really good imagery here. There's 12 disciples. 12 baskets of leftover bread and fish. A total of 5,000 men and their families were fed. It's interesting to me, because I I study this stuff, but it's interesting to me that besides the resurrection, besides Jesus coming back from the dead, this is the only miracle of Jesus that appears in all four of the Gospels, all four of the biographies of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. This one shows up. And I think it's there because this one was a game changer. That this, this, this miracle kind of shifted the paradigm. This one forever said, if you follow Jesus, you better learn to question what might be possible. So what does Jesus expect of us? When logic says you can't do anything, what does Jesus expect of us? I got three things for you real quick this morning. Here's the first one. Jesus expects us to apply past miracles to present obstacles. Now remember, this whole story started with the disciples coming back from their mission trip, reporting to Jesus what they had done, what they had taught, how the mission trip had gone. So what did they report? Well, let's go back to a little bit earlier in the chapter, and let me show you the the, the text about this mission trip. Mark 6, verse, beginning of verse 12 says, the disciples went out telling everyone they met to repent of their sins and turn to God, their teaching, and verse 13, and they cast out many demons and healed many sick people, anointing them with olive oil. Check this out. The disciples have just returned from a trip where God is routinely doing impossible things through them. But as soon as they return, they go from being believers to being calculators. And we do too. We all struggle with what I'm going to call spiritual amnesia when it comes to how God has worked in our past. Maybe, maybe that's why Jesus said, I want you to pick up the leftovers. It wasn't because just because Jesus didn't like litter. It was because he wanted each of those disciples to have a basket, a basket full of impossibilities made possible. A basket reminding each of them of the the sufficiency of God. So I got a big question for you today. What's in your basket? What has God put in your basket that he wants you to carry around so the next time you come up with a huge challenge, you can look back at what God has already done in your life, remembering what God has done. Because you got it in that basket forgetfulness forgetfulness leads to faithlessness you've got a basket i've got a basket you've got stories of how god has shown up in your life in the past and god wants you to remember those stories and apply those stories to your present challenge so keep a basket in your hand and keep a do it again god prayer on your lips here's the second thing i think jesus expects of us jesus expects us to act like people who expect god to show up to expect god to show up so jesus takes this bread and this fish he thanks god and he then asks the disciples to pass it out so in my mind jesus takes a little loaf of bread breaks off a piece of it puts it like in a napkin hands it to one of the disciples. There's a little piece of bread in that. says, so take this piece of bread, go over to see that group of 100 people over there, go over there and feed that group of 100 people with this piece of bread. So put yourself in the disciples' shoes for a minute. Okay, Jesus. There's 100 people. This is a, this is a cracker. i got to feed these people. This is going to be a little awkward, Jesus. But then you begin feeding, and the bread begins to multiply, and you feed the whole crowd. You're walking over there thinking to yourself, if God doesn't show up, I'm going to look like an idiot. So guess what happened? The disciples got to distribute the miracle. They didn't do the miracle. They got to distribute the miracle. Jesus, on purpose, Jesus put them in a place where God had to show up. He still does you see to believe in god is not to deny reality it is to it is to rely on a greater reality do do you understand that our, our whole salvation depends on this truth our salvation story started way back in the old testament you can read this in the old testament the book of genesis when god finds a man an old man named abraham And he says to Abraham, hey, Abraham, I want you to go to a a place you've never been before, to a people you you don't know, where you don't know anyone. And if you're faithful, I'm going to give you, old man Abraham who has no children, I'm going to give you a baby. And from that baby is going to come the Savior of the world. But Abraham, he's way too old to have a baby. And he's never had a baby. There's nothing logical about God's salvation plan. Here's how Paul tells Abraham's story in Romans chapter four. It says, even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping. What a great verse. Even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God had said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though at about 100 years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead. And so was Sarah's womb. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger. And in this, he brought glory to God. Verse 21, will you read verse 21 out loud with me? Read this, let's read this together. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. Be sure you catch this. Abraham wasn't being illogical He faced the reality that his body is Reproductively dead And that sarah his wife's body was reproductively dead It's not you know, maybe if I you know start eating better and get on the peloton a couple of times a week and Maybe if sarah will go back to the y and do those water aerobics. Maybe we'll get younger. No, no, it's not that This isn't logical But abraham stepped into a greater reality Faith doesn't ignore reality. Faith leads us to a greater reality. And so I just, I just I just imagine there's someone sitting in this room today, someone who's watching this broadcast today, and you're thinking to yourself, "I can't. I can't. I can't forgive that person. I I can't love those people." But Jesus can. And if you are a follower of Jesus, Jesus lives in you. I can't. I can't stop that sin. I I can't say no to my flesh. But Jesus can. And if you are a follower of Jesus, Jesus lives in you. I can't stop being afraid. I can't stop worrying. I can't, I can't, I can't. Listen, I can't is not the question. The question is, can Jesus, and does he live in you? It might surprise some of you to know how much I I struggle regularly with feelings of inadequacy. I don't talk about this a lot, but I've struggled, especially probably more these last two years than than any other time in my life. And there are moments when I step up onto this platform and I pray, God, all I've got here are some loaves and fishes, and there's a multitude that needs to be fed. God, you're going to have to multiply this because this is the best I got. I can't tell you how many times I've thought, God, God, I got nothing. I got nothing left. But then I remember that God has been making something out of nothing since the very beginning. It's what he's good at. So what does Jesus expect of you when when it seems illogical, when it seems impossible? When, your moment, when you're in that moment that just seems too big, what does Jesus expect? He expects us to to look in our baskets. He expects us to trust and to act and expect Him to show up, act on His presence. And thirdly, real quickly, Jesus expects our availability when facing impossibility. Listen, Jesus doesn't need your capacity, He needs your audacity. Jesus doesn't need, if we use the metaphor from this story, He doesn't, doesn't need you to own a chain of grocery stores and a fleet of food trucks. He just needs you to bring to him what you have Because little is much when we put it in the master's hand Here's the first task of obedience The first task of obedience is to figure out what does god want done? The second task of obedience The second task is not to look at the budget and see if we have enough money enough resources to pay for it That's not the second task of obedience. The second task of obedience is once you know what God wants done, the next act of obedience is to show up. Where God is, where God can do it. We don't make the miracles. But if we're available, like those disciples, we might just get to pass them out. I heard a story recently, a preacher telling a story about his three little daughters. They had this bedtime tradition at their house. The girls get in their pajamas, get ready for bed, and dad would sit down and read a fairy tale to them. And he said this one particular night, as, as the years have gone on, his oldest daughter's starting to get to that age where she's beginning to just kind of doubt what's going on in these stories. Like, mm, a little, little sketch, dad, I don't know. So as the, as the oldest girl got a little older, one night, she's just had enough, and dad's reading this fairy tale, and finally the older girl just blurts out, Right there at bedtime, just works out, that's not possible. And the youngest girl, the, the littlest girl, kind of snaps back right at her sister, kind of slaps back at her, just you know, as little sisters will do. Looks at her and says, you're not the boss of possible. That's a pretty good lesson for us, too. I'm not the boss of possible, either. But Jesus is. This story, this moment in Mark 6 is not a call for us to lose sight of reality. This story is a call for us to keep Jesus in the picture. It's a call to question just what might be possible. Because great faith in God is good. But faith in a great God, that's even better let me pray for you those of you who are serving communion if you go ahead and take your places and get ready to service as you bow your heads I just want you to before we start praying I just want you to imagine something in your life right now or maybe in the life of someone who's close to you that just kind of feels hopeless something that that feels impossible just imagine that for a minute and now as we begin our time of prayer together, I'm going to let you start the prayer, I'll finish it, but I just want you to ask God, as you sit there this morning, ask God to help you see Jesus in that situation. God, we, we need a fresh vision of Jesus. We, we need our, our wonder of Jesus restored. Help us to to become like children and to hear the stories of Jesus with with the same glee and the same fascination and the same awe that children do. Help us to hear these stories fresh. Help us get a picture of a bigger Jesus. Give Give us bigger faith in Jesus. Maybe God, give us faith to see a bigger Jesus. We pray this in his name.